Hello, New Life Manitou. Hello, New Life Manitou. Hello, good morning. This is the part where I hype you up and I'm like, how about that weather? And you're like, yeah, how about that rain? We need it, right? And then how about Manitou High School football? They won the division. They're state champions. This is the part where I hype you up, but it seems like you're already hype. So let me get right into the sermon. Today's sermon has a little bit of weight to it. Today's sermon, we're going to talk about the line in the Lord's Prayer. So if you've been with us, you know that we are in the Lord's Prayer this series. And we're going to look at the line where it says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So we're at this part in the prayer that has some weight to it. So instead of hyping you up some more, uh, which you're already hype, good job, uh, I want to invite you to think, like, what is your prayer life like? Just between you and the Lord, like, what does your prayer life look like? If I was honest as a pastor, I would say that sometimes my prayer life falls into a rut. Like I, I sometimes pray the same thing. My, my morning prayer time can look very similar day to day. I can fall into a rut. The things I say to the Lord, especially like when I'm leading people in prayer, can sound very similar. And I can kind of say them, if I'm honest right now, which I'm trying to be honest, to just say things that I just say, that I just kind of know, like a prayer before dinner or lunch or something with a group of people, other believers, kind of looks like, thanks for this food, let it nourish our bodies, thanks for the fellowship, amen. And we can kind of just say those things. As a pastor, I'm often called upon to lead prayers. Like if it's me, I get to hang out with guys and we go, Uh, mountain biking and rock climbing and hiking and camping and cool things like that. And as the pastor, they sometimes look at me and say, Joe, before we put ourselves in danger and go down this hill or climb up this mountain, would you pray for us? And it often looks very similar in these situations. Keep us safe, Lord. Thanks for the creation. Thanks for fellowship. And, and, And please really keep us safe. Amen. And so my prayers, I can almost just rehearse these things as a pastor, as someone who prays, which, which is all of us as Christians, we who pray, uh, we can fall into a rut. And what this series has done for me is to get out of the rut, to study the words we are actually praying. I grew up Catholic. I know the Lord's Prayer. I'm very grateful for my Catholic upbringing. But it was one of those prayers that I just memorize. And I just can just, with rote memory, say it. And I can say it without meaning it. And so these series, th- these weeks in a, this sermon series, have given me thought to the words I'm praying. And so I help today that as we pray these words, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, you will give thought to these words. And maybe like me, you will find yourself, and maybe you have already through this series, found yourself through the days, through the nights and quiet moments, saying the Lord's Prayer with a new reverence, with the words that Jesus has given us to pray. So with that introduction, Would you stand with me? We're going to read kind of the intro of the Lord's Prayer, and then we will say and we will pray together the Lord's Prayer. So let's begin in Luke chapter 11, verse 1. This just says that one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. Well, you don't have to read this part with me. Well, then he finished praying. One of the disciples came to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And then he said to them, when you pray, say, join with me, praying the words of the Father, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Lord, we continue praying to you and and using your words. Lord, we, we pray that you would give us the wisdom and revelation to know you better through this prayer, through connection and relationship with you, Lord. We would know you, Lord. We would do your will. And Lord, we would pray, especially the words today that we're looking at, that, that we would be led away from temptation, that we would be delivered from evil. We pray these things in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and all God's people shouted, Amen, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I have for you today, as I usually do, a three-point sermon. It's Trinitarian. It's organized. That's how I keep things. Three points. The first one is this, that we should trust the Father to lead. Trust the Father. Like This is what we should be doing. Trust the Father to lead you from temptation. Some of the best news we have as Christians is that the Lord leads us away from addictions, from sin, from entrapments. The Lord leads us into righteousness. The main point today is that we can pray to the Father because Jesus gives us the example to do this, that when we are in temptation, we pray to him. And no matter how far we've gone down a dark alley, maybe we've just taken some footsteps in, maybe we're halfway, maybe we are all the way there, maybe we have really messed up, that we can pray to the Father who can lead us out of temptation and who can deliver us from evil. Amen? Amen. This is some really good news on this Pentecost Sunday where we call upon the Spirit, where we are reminded that the Lord has given us His Spirit and He can lead us out of temptation and deliver us from evil. So this phrase, let's look at this phrase. You've heard this phrase. You've prayed this phrase uh, just now. You probably are pretty familiar with the lead us not into temptation. And it's kind of a hard phrase for many of us because we wonder like, wait, is that what the Lord does? Like the Greek here is kind of funny and, and we, we've translated it into this old King James English where it's like, wait, does the Lord lead us into, tempt- like is the Lord like, like grabbing us by the hand and, and leading us to sin? And, and let me do a spoiler alert and say, no, that, that's not the Lord. That is not, the Lord doesn't lead us into sin and, and enticement. That is the devil's work, which is the next line of this prayer. So some translations say something like, keep us safe from ourselves and of the devil. Another translation says, keep us clear of temptation, save us from evil. A couple years ago in 2018, the Pope of the the leader of the Catholic Church, he changed the version in Italian, and I'm just taking someone else's word for it because I don't speak Italian, but in Italian, the Lord's Prayer was very similar to our King James, like, lead us not into temptation. The Pope said, this isn't congruent with like the original language. We should change it. And so the Pope changed it in a Italian to do something like, do not let us fall into temptation. So let's get into the Greek for just a moment. Let's do a nerd alert. First of two nerd alerts today. Nerd alert. I see a couple new faces. It's just something we do. That's the weirdest it gets, I promise. Uh, So the nerd alert today, 
The Greek word is periesmon, and it can mean trickery, deception, enticing to evil. And it can also be used, it's the same word for like test or a trial. And a test and a trial, we would say, oh, that's a very, in our English uh, language, that's a very different word than like enticement and, and temptation, a test and a trial. Like these are very different things. In the Greek, it is the same word. And so we have to ask ourselves, does the Lord tempt? Like, is the Lord a part of evil in tempting us to evil? Is that, is that the, the Lord's work? No. And I will prove that clearly in a moment. There's, it says clearly in the New Testament, we'll look at in a minute, that the, the Lord does not do that. It's like this scene. How many of you are familiar with like, the old 1940s version of Pinocchio? You remember that movie? Um, Disney took the, an ancient, uh, like the Italian uh, 1800s folklore Pinocchio story and made a movie out of it and, and wrote songs to go along with it. And there's Jiminy Cricket and Pinocchio. And it's like all these little temptation things he experiences on his path to become a real boy. Thank you. Um, and so there's this, this bad guy in, that, in, the, in the story. His name is Honest John. He's the fox. Is Honest John honest? No, he's the bad guy. If you remember the story, he like goes around trying to trick Pinocchio and it gets really dark because he tries to trick him into going to Pleasure Island. Hi, diddly dee. No, no, it's Pleasure Island for me where every day's a holiday. And blah, blah, blah. So they take another song and they try to tempt Pinocchio to go to Pleasure Island. And when he's there, there's like gambling, there's cigarettes. You can pick a fight with somebody. You could smash windows. There's, uh, there's alcohol. There's farm animals inside. There's like pool tables where you could play pool. It sounds like a Friday night at my house. <laughs> Just kidding. We don't have a pool table. <laughs> uh, I was going to use that. I was going to say that. That's like Brett's house on a Friday, but I couldn't do that. So it's, it's, a, it's a joke. It's a joke. Everybody lighten up. So Pinocchio gets tempted by this fox. This fox is like, come on, it's going to be great. He's got, I got a ticket for you. And he pulls out the ace of spades, which is kind of funny. Like, this is your ticket, Pinocchio. Go into Pleasure Island. Come on, let's go together. And he, t I don't know where Jiminy Cricket is in this scene, but it's a temptation scene where Pinocchio goes into Pleasure Island. And then what happens? Do you know? Spoiler alert. Uh, he gets turned into a... Uh, a donkey, and then he gets sold into slavery. I mean, it's a, it's a, it goes, it, it, like it escalates quickly, and he gets sold into slavery as like kidnapped. It's very dark. And so what we see in the scene is the tempter. And who is the tempter? Honest John, that's Satan. That's the work of the devil. That is not the Lord. That is the work. We'll talk about the devil in just a moment here. But if we have the question, if any of us have ever thought, like, is this the Lord tempting me? No, 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 no. That is not the work of the Lord. We'll, we'll quote James a couple times in this sermon. But the book of James, chapter 1, verse 13, says this, that when you are tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. So there's your answer right there. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But, every, but, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away and enticed by their own evil desires. And then verse 15, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. Sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. So does God tempt anyone with evil? No, that, that's not, it says it clearly. That's, that's not what the Lord does. That is actually the work of the devil. And so when we pray, 
Lead us not into temptation. We're praying, Lord, lead us out of here. Lord, help us in the midst of temptation. That's what we're praying. Where is the Lord in the times of temptation? Well, let me read for you another verse. This this should come as an encouragement for all of us in the midst of any kind of temptation that we are in. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13 says, no temptation has overtaken you. So this is all of us. If If you're being tempted, it hasn't overtaken you except what is common to mankind and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, where's the Lord in temptation? Well, he's right here. He will provide a way out so that you can endure it. This is where the Lord is. He is with us in times of temptation and trial and testing. And he wants us to pray to him. That's point number one. Point number two of this sermon is this. Uh, It should come with a lot of encouragement as well. Point number two is the father is with us during testing and trials. God is with us during, some people ask, like bad things do happen to good people. And people often ask, this isn't fair. Where is God in all this? Well, I want to declare to you and give you hope that the father is right there with us during temptation and trials and testing. He is helping, he is guiding, he is leading us away from the ways of this world and he is leading us into the ways of himself. You see, a good sermon will do the kind of work that Jesus did. And when Jesus was on earth in his ministry, he would treat different people in a different way depending on the, the people. And I'll use a phrase, I've heard it from Daniel Grothy, who's a, a pastor of New Life Friday Night. He said, a good sermon and Jesus' work should always comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. Comfort the afflicted. Think about like Jesus uh, with, with like the woman caught in adultery. As someone who's been afflicted, she's been taken out. She's, she's half naked. She's been exposed. And everyone there wants to like stone her to death. She's afflicted. What does Jesus do? He comforts her. He says, where are your accusers? He sends them away. But to those who are self-righteous, to the Pharisees, the ones that have it all together, to the comfortable of this world and their own self-righteousness, what does he say to them? He says things like, you brood of vipers. He says things like, you're washing the outside of the cup. You think it's so clean, but it's the inside of the cup that needs to be cleaned, right? He comforts the afflicted and he afflicts the comfortable. Think about that for our lives. Like how many of us would say, if we're honest, we're pretty comfortable. Like we live in a great society. Even the poorest among us have it pretty well when compared to other countries, when compared to other times and human civilization. We have life pretty well. We can live comfortable lives, even the poorest among us. Compared to, I'm just comparing us to uh, the world around us and other times in world history. Like we have so much, like some of our problems come from our excesses. Like we have so much that it leads to other problems. We have, uh, I'm just thinking about the entertainment we have, like at our fingertips and at our TVs and in our world today, so much entertainment, so much distraction. We're comfortable. And so we pray, Lord, shake us up a little bit. Shake us up and remind us of your ways and your will and your righteousness. But to those who are hurting, to those who are undergoing trial, to those who are undergoing tests and temptation, the Lord is there to bring comfort. That is what he does. I don't know why the Lord brings um, 
tests and trials. I, I can't begin to talk about you know, the answer to the problem of evil, why bad things happen to good people. But what we know for sure is that the Father is with us, that the Father, Jesus, the, 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 the God, a very God, he's, he's one in being. In fact, today's lesson after church today, we're going to have a lesson and lunch, is going to be just, just that, like Jesus, fully God and fully human at the same time, underwent temptation and trial and testing. And yet he, by the grace of God, the Father, uh, prevailed and he did not give in to temptation, but was holy and blameless so that for our sin, he could be put on the cross. That's the, that's the summarization of the gospel. Let me read for you uh, James again. This is the second time we've quoted the book of James. He starts off with this uh, idea that we should delight, take joy in our like, like trials. It starts off with James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, greeting. So he starts like in our you know, modern, it should be dear so-and-so. This is James talking. First thing he says, verse two, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. But what's so good about testing and trials and persecution? Well, it leads us to the Lord. We call upon him when we are in need of him. You know, to the comfortable, we could say, you know, when we get comfortable in this life and everything's just perfect and dandy and, you know, we're looking at pictures of puppies and kittens and we, do, we just don't have this dependency upon the Lord like we do when we're undergoing a trial. I told this story a couple of weeks ago. I'll kind of come back to it. When you were talking about daily bread, give us today this, our daily bread. I talked about a year and some months ago, uh, I was probably where many of you were, like, like going to the grocery stores and there was no food. Like, did this happen to anyone else? And the kind of fear, like I, I see some heads nodding, like this, was, this is where I was at. Like what happens when we run out of food in our house and what happens when we're, we're going to the grocery store and there's no food? And, and I had, I mean, looking back, it was like, oh, it's silly. We, we didn't run out of food. It was silly to have that fear. But at the time, There was a dependency. I was waking up in the morning and going to sleep at night and waking up saying, Lord, I trust in you. I look back at that that time, those those few weeks in there where I was going through a trial. We all were. I mean, we were quarantined. Some of you were quarantined alone and that's its own, uh, you know, just trial on its own. Some of you were quarantined with roommates or spouse and that's its own. And some of you were quarantined with small children like I was and that was its own, you know, (laughs) trial and tribulation. Um, And so it was a hard time. But I remember now looking back at that time saying, man, the prayers that I would, the the relationship I had with the Lord during that trial was so beautiful. Like I trusted in the Lord and that's what I pray that will happen today as we think about trials and tests and we think about delivering us from evil, that we would get closer to the Father because we're being invited by Jesus to pray just those words. This is the last point here, point number three uh, of this sermon. The Father delivers us from evil. The Father delivers us from evil. We pray, but deliver us from evil. Some of, maybe you've heard this prayer, pray, deliver us from the evil 
one. That's another way to pray this prayer. And this will lead us, I guess we got to go into the Greek just a little bit. So this will lead us into nerd alert number two. Thank you. Uh, The evil is translated, uh, the Greek word paneru is translated as evil. And it's prefaced by the definite article the. So in Greek, like how do you say the evil into English? Well, one way is just to say uh, delivers from evil, but, but certainly it's, it's kind of like picking on the personification of evil. Deliver us from the evil one. And there is evil in this earth, and there is an evil one in this earth. So in the heart of every human being, I heard the quote that, there's a dividing line between good and evil. And certainly, like the, in humanity, uh, there is good and evil. And friends, there is also the evil one who influences. And I think about so much of the evil on this earth. I think about my days on this earth. I'm 42 years old, and I've seen things. Maybe you can say that you've seen the pure evil as well. Like I, I was, I've seen violence. I've seen, I, I was there the day at New Life North uh, years ago in 2007, December 9th, when a gunman came in. Some of you may have just heard about this, but I was there that day in the church and the gunman came in wanting to kill as many people as he could that were Christians. And, and it's just like the, the, the horror of that. And, and my wife and I drove around and, and, and we saw two people shot and we would see the two girls that would die there in the parking lot of New Life North. And I just think like, that's, that was so evil. Like, why, Lord? And where did that come from? Is that the, the evil of the human heart? Was that the enemy himself? I, I don't know. I don't know that we as Christians need to parse out all of those things. I've been to the um, Holocaust Museum. Maybe some of you have had the uh, privilege of going to the Holocaust Museum in Israel. It's just outside of Jerusalem. And two years ago, I was there. And I'm grateful to have gone to Israel and just considering like today that things are not so safe. Like when I was there two years ago, it was just, it felt peaceful. And and nowadays it's not. But uh, in the time that I was there, we got to go through the Holocaust Museum, Vad Hashem. And going through it, I remember on the bus, some people had already been there and they were just saying like, you can't get through this museum without crying. And, And I just took that as like a personal, like, oh, well, like a challenge. Like, don't tell me what I can't do. I, and in my head, I was like, I know, I know the Holocaust. I've studied, I've read books. I know some history. I, I just know the events. I've seen the pictures. I've seen documentaries. I, I know like there's not going to be anything new here. Uh, and there really wasn't as far as like facts and information about the Holocaust. But what the museum did in a very artistic way was to help you like, like feel the weight of evil that was done against these Jewish victims. And there was a room that opened up. Uh, if you've been there, it's kind, of, it's kind of set up like a train station. You're walking through, um, and then it opens up, and there was a pile of shoes. And this just, the gospel, like, here's the real shoes that people took off, mostly men's shoes, but, but then women's shoes, and even kids' shoes in this pile. People took off the shoes and then would go into the gas chamber, and they would leave this life because of the evil that was being done to them. They were killed. They're harmless people, like weaponless people. They they're brought into a place and killed. And when I saw the shoes and the kids' shoes, I just thought, I started weeping. Like, I, I, that th- this evil that was on this earth and still is can be so 
bad, the evil that's in our own hearts as humanity and the evil that is of the evil one is so horrible. We pray, Lord, deliver us from evil. Jesus invites us. He says, when you pray, pray, deliver us from evil. There was in that room with the shoes, there was this a poem on the wall and it said, written in pencil in a sealed railway car. Here in this car load, I am Eve with my Abel, my son. If you see my other son, Cain, son of man, tell him that I and then the poem ends. And you're just like, well, what is that? And I, I thought about it. I was like, oh, wait. Eve, the mother of humanity, with one of her sons, and her and this son have been put into this rail car because of Cain, the other son, like the brother, the son. And, and so when you see him, tell him. <laughs> what, do you, what do you say? What do you say to the evil and the heart that's been turned? And we know the story. Cain kills Abel. And like the evil that is on this earth, it can be so horrible. Lord, we pray, deliver us from evil. And there is the evil one. There is the, the, the personification of evil, the devil. His kingdom is real. His dominion, his demons are real. Deliver us from that evil. And also deliver us from the evil that is in humanity's heart. You know, when we planted New Life Manitou years ago, there was uh, some people pretty excited that we were planting a church in Manitou because in their minds, we were gonna fight the people that lived in Manitou. It was like, yeah, we're gonna go up against those, those witches, and those warlocks, those liberals, those hippies. We're gonna, you're, we're gonna fight Manitou, those, those people in Manitou. And, and my response, there was a couple people who would be really excited that we were gonna fight the people of Manitou. I was like... Do you know that I live in Manitou? Like, I, how does this work? Do I fight myself? I don't know what you're... And I was like, you know, our enemies, that's not the people. God calls us to love the people. We have an enemy. We don't make no mistake. And it is the devil. We have an enemy, Satan, and his ways, and the ways of this world, his kingdom. We have an enemy who is tempting us to evil, who is trying to bring us into evil. This word like enticement that, that James uses, that, that the tempter uses when he tempts Jesus, this word to entice is kind of like this word someone would use like when they go hunting. Like if you're a hunter, any hunters, I'm a hunter, any hunters, a couple hunters. Tim, I see you're a hunter, okay. Um, when you go hunting, you entice an animal. So this is kind of a weird analogy because I'm a hunter, but, but a hunter is a bad guy, let's just say. A hunter will go out and try to entice the elk into the hunter's range. And so the hunter will go out in the season called the rut in which the boy elks and girl elks are trying to get together. And if you need more information about that, you can ask your mom, but we'll leave it at that. <laughs> And so you're trying to entice the boy elks to come in, and they're like drunk. They're idiots with passion. And, they, and they, you just, all you have to do is make an elk a female call. They call it a, a cow, a cow call. And I'm not going to pick on anybody because I don't like to pick on people, but I do love to pick on, pick on Tim Hockersmith. <laughs> Even his wife is like, hey, Tim, I, I assume you didn't bring your elk calls to church. <laughs> you didn't drink would you, without his elk calls, make a good uh, elk, cow elk call? 
<laughs> he loved it. He loved it. It says something like this. Right? It's okay. It's something like that. So you go out into the woods, and with an elk call, you make a much better call than I just did, and you just replicate a female. And the bull elk, think about this and how temptation works. Like the bull elk will come in, and he knows something's not right. He smells a human. The sound of the call was not right, but he just goes in like with drunk passion, idiocy. He comes in, range to the hunter. And then the hunter takes the elk's life. Think about that for like how temptation works. Think about that for like this scene in Pinocchio where honest John is like, come with us. All the things you could be hoping for, all these worldly pleasures, where does it lead? It leads to death. Like, like it's a horrible scene when the little boys turn into donkeys and they're putting cages and like crying. It's a horrible scene when the elk gets shot. It's a horrible scene when the, when the people go into the ways of the devil. And James says they're enticed by the evil desires. And, and this incitement leads to sin and sin leads to death. Lord, we pray, deliver us from evil. Ephesians chapter six, Paul says that our battle is not against flesh and blood. Our battle is against principalities and powers. And we pray as Christians, we pray in the name of Jesus against these things. You know, every Sunday we have a prayer ministry down here. And over the years, I've got to pray for people for sicknesses uh, and, and, and seen healings. Over the years, I've gotten to pray with people to accept Jesus. And over the years, sometimes we pray, like I, someone will come forward and say, I really feel like I'm just being like squashed by the enemy. I feel like the devil is, you know, it's fear or lust or something going on. I just can't break it. Addiction. I need to be delivered. I feel like the enemy is crushing me. And so we say, well, let's pray. Let's pray in the name of Jesus that the enemy has to flee. Amen. We'll pray in the name of Jesus that, that fear, that lust, that, that addiction has to leave in the name of Jesus. Because Jesus, greater is he, Jesus, that is in us than he who is in the world. Amen. Amen. Well, would you close your eyes? Would you bow your head? If, if you're in the band, you can come forward. They're going to lead us in a song that, that says that in, it's in Christ alone. And during this moment, as we have our heads bowed, as we are considering going to um, the table and praying against temptation and asking the Lord to, to lead us away from temptation, asking the Lord to deliver us from evil, Lord, I pray over us here. I pray over us listening, maybe watching the sermon. We pray in the name of Jesus that, that your power, Jesus, is, is greater than anything in this world and that we have authority in Jesus to cast out demons, to cast out sickness, to cast out the evil of this world, to say no to temptation. Lord, it's by your power in your name, Jesus, that we say, devil, you have to flee. Satan has to leave. Spirit of fear, spirit of doubt, we command you to be gone. Spirit of lust, we command you to be gone. Spirit of addiction, we command you to be gone. And, and Jesus, we take up your authority. We take up the name of Jesus. We take up your armor, Lord, and put it on, protecting us from temptation, protecting us from evil. So Lord, we, we begin, uh, we close here considering where we began, of considering our own prayer lives. 
but we want to deepen our prayers with you. We want to deepen our relationship with you through the studying of your word, through the studying of this prayer. But we come to you humble, knowing that it's you in all control, knowing that it's you who loves us, who invites us to your table. Lord, we're not worthy to come, but Lord, you invite us in. We, we haven't brought anything. Like when you show up to somebody's house and you, don't, you forgot to bring something. Lord, you say that you have the table is set and it's your body and your blood that you give to us sustenance for life. So Lord, we, we quiet ourselves and we still ourselves before you. We pray this in your name. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, would you lead us?